When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Coming up on the Behind the Mic Podcast, the NFL has a long history. Within that history, there are some franchises that have since fallen off from greatness, and there are others you had no idea were great at all. You're behind the mic with Michael Neal Jr., All right, we're back. It's Tuesday. It's time to get the show started once again after a week off. The papers are prepared. NFL historians and lovers of sports history, welcome. This show is for you. And if you already know this stuff, again, bravo. Bravo. Cookies for everybody. I would just say this, though. You know, just enjoy the show. And look, if you know this stuff already, that's great. But if you don't, just remember this, this show is for those who don't know as much about NFL history. So we're here to do three things. That is enlighten, teach, and learn. It is the Behind the Mic Podcast. I am your host, Michael Neal Jr. This show is presented by Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. BellyUpSports.com. Go on it, click on it, read the articles, as well as listening to all of the shows, especially this one. Uh, we got something for everybody, sports-wise. Also, the main spot that you can find our shows is on Spreaker, okay? Other than that, I know love people, a lot of people love Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, YouTube. You can find our shows in the Belly Up Sports family, Belly Up Media. You can find it all on those platforms. So, yeah, we took a week off um, and I, you know, just I had to, uh, you know, re-energize a little bit. Had to do a lot of work. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with taking a week off. This is probably only the second, maybe the third time in almost two years I've been doing this so far. Uh, I try to turn out a show. I mean, only do it once a week. We record on Tuesday, it drops on Wednesday. Sometimes I might have to do it a day later, a couple hours later. Instead of 6 a.m. when you get up in the morning, for those who aren't still asleep, you can start listening at 6 o'clock in the morning. Uh, what are we on? Central time? Yeah, central time. So <laughs> I'm here in Nashville. Um well, anyway, let's get to it. I, I don't know if I'll be before you very long. I'm trying to get this uh, done quick today. Why? Because we have storms here tonight in Nashville, and uh, hopefully it's not my mic isn't picking it up in the background. But, of course, we've been talking about, you know, the greatest NFL dynasties. But along with that, there are other teams that were good too, right? Um, other than that, I mean, 
here's where we are. We always hear about the winningest teams in NFL history. Along with that, with, with those dynasties of the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and the 2000s, right? Um, and you hear during the broadcast sometimes, um, you, you know, the winningest teams and, and the teams that, uh, that have all of these W's, whether it's college football, basketball, even in pro football. Of course, you got the Bears and the Chicago Cardinals, who are now the Arizona Cardinals. Those teams have been around since the teams, these teams, since the league's inception. And you wonder sometimes how they got there in the first place. But they won all those games uh, during that long period of time because, I mean, they've been around forever. Um, but then there's the background of those teams, especially the, like the Chicago Bears. We've talked about them um, and their dominance in the 40s. But, I mean, it stretches a little bit longer than that. Um, again, every great team or dynasty, that is, um, they weren't dominant within the exact numerical era we talked about that the last show that we did and of course the bears they had a run of winning from not just from you know that championship their last championship they had won in 1963 before winning it all in 1985 again and that went from 63 going all the way back to the inception of the league they won it the second year of the league right so um and to go back and kind of rehash another slash kind of different dynasty the ways you can look at it it's not always the 2000 patriots the 90s cowboys the, the the 60s packers the 70s steelers the 80s 49ers some of these kind of overlap and there were great teams that overlapped and they were in a lot of championships and kind of i don't want to use this term but defend but the comments that I made about the Giants and the Packers, the Giants being the team of the 30s that I read about, and I keep this, keep this in mind, they won the 1927 championship, what, two, three years after their inception? Um, you know, the team was created, uh, it, it was, it was, it was uh, founded in 1925, and three years later they won in the championship already. Um, there was no actual championship game, but they appeared in 14 championship games between 1933 and 1963 that's a lot <laughs> and they were, I don't, they only won three of them and they it wasn't a dynasty but they're going to all those championship games even winning it in 1927 all the way to 1963 when they lost to the bears because they couldn't keep turning the football over um <laughs> uh, th what 1934 1938 1956 but the Giants, they played in 14 championships. They weren't getting blown out either. They played in some good games. Even the first one they played in 1933, I think it was uh, against the Chicago Bears, it came down to the final play, as did the, the 63 game against the Bears. If they don't throw five interceptions in that game, they have a chance to win. The score, the final score was 14 to 10, by the way, in 1963. And at the same time, I totally see the argument for the Green Bay Packers. They won three straight from 1929 to 1931. Again, there was no, you know, playoffs and then a championship game unless there was a tie that had to be broken, right? Um, but that, you know, they win those championships in the 1930s. Um, but in those 30s, when the championship finally was born in 1933, they were, uh, the Giants were in five of those games. And, uh, you know, the Green Bay Packers, they only played in, what, uh, three in the 1930s? And the Giants and Packers, they actually split <laughs> playing against each other in 38 and 39. The Chicago Bears could easily be one of the longest-running dynasties 
as they were winning games from the beginning of the league in 1920 as the Chicago Staley's all the way through that 1963 season. That's a long run. So right there in the middle, of course, there are plenty of good teams that could be characterized as great teams, maybe, or, or just good. But I mean, you got some great teams that didn't win as many and some of them won quite a few. If you really look at it for the era that they played in, um, they didn't quite make the dynasty category. And one of those such teams in the early years was the Boston slash Washington football team. All due respect, kick the music. The team's inception was in 1932. And once the NFL championship game was implemented in 1933, they made their first appearance five seasons in, losing to the Green Bay Packers in 1936 at the Polo Ground. But in 1937, they drafted the greatest quarterback in the history of the franchise, Sammy Ball, who would play 16 years with Washington and was the first prototype, the prototypical quarterback in NFL history. This guy, he, and he would tell you if he was still alive today. You know, I did it myself. I learned how to throw a football. No one told me how to do it. You know, <laughs> if you never, I remember him saying in the 75 Seasons movie, that if you've never even thrown the dat gum ball and I'm cleaning it up, then you really can't tell me, you know, how to do it. <laughs> and he did it very, very well the years, the 16 years that he played in the league. The reason why he's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Washington appeared in six championship games between 1936 and 1945. They had Hall of Famers such as uh, running back Cliff Battle, quarterback Sammy Ball, of course, tackle Turk Edwards, even uh, their head coach Ray Flatterty, and uh, wide receiver, we just call him an end, Turk Edwards. Excuse me, uh, Wayne Milner. Um, and these men, they played, you know, in the, the late 30s and the 1940s, right? Well, again, this series that we've been going on is not so much about what they accomplished. We will kind of hit on that, but it's how did it end? We haven't been diving into, you know, the front part. We want to know. What happened to him? Why did it go away? <laughs> I mean, that that's that's the interesting part uh, to me. Being a, a football historian, I always wondered what happened to certain teams. Why, why why did they not go back to the championship? What happened? I mean, of course, we we talked about it: age, injury, and, and uh, trades, and and uh, retirement, and all of those different. But there are other things. There are other factors, interesting stories behind. Um, but after 1945, there was a problem. Their owner, George Preston Marshall, I mean, if you listen to any of these shows that I've done at all, you've heard me mention this man's name, you would know the man was not a fan of minorities, okay? He wanted no blacks on his team, period, all right? <laughs> and, and it's crazy, I, and I still don't know the history behind this guy, William Henry, Lone Star Deets. Some people say that he was a... a legit American Indian and some would say that he was faking it I have no idea but if this man was um, an actual American Indian then uh, him being George Preston Marshall's head coach at that's it blow is mind-blowing um, you know for, for the little time that he was the head coach but this guy did not want minorities on his team at all and he had no blacks on his team and of course, we've talked about in the past, the let's just say it like it was the blackballing of blacks 
in pro football between 1933 and 1945. It wasn't until 1946 that the NFL reintegrated, right? And this guy, George Preston Marshall, was the guy who spearheaded that movement. Look, no more blacks, you know, we don't need any blacks. And he never had any on his team until much later on. Get to that in a second. Between 1946 and 1962, well, maybe not that long, the Washington football team only had three winning seasons. Why? After all those championship game appearances, he didn't want black talent. How did that end for him? How did it end for Washington? They didn't want the black talent. He didn't. He didn't want any of them on his team. Washington was the last team to integrate. When the draft day trade happened, we've talked about in the past, uh, it already had been finalized between, between Cleveland's Paul Brown and George Preston Marshall, a deal that was not even revealed for weeks. Bobby Mitchell, basically the running back forward or flanker slash, you know, halfback for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, he wanted a straight up trade for Ernie Davis, who was the first African-American to win the Heisman coming to running back coming out of Syracuse. Paul Brown wanted Ernie Davis. They made the handshake agreement with Washington. You draft him and we'll swap. And they, that's how they did it. And then other players were included. And Marshall had his chance to draft some of the best black talent on the face of this earth, but because of his dislike uh, of African-Americans, he refused. And he was backed into a corner by the Kennedy administration. And you need to see that 30-year lease that would have been canceled uh, had he not integrated his team. Washington would get back to the playoffs, but that was long after Marshall had passed away. So what happened to them? George Preston Marshall. <laughs> he was just that simple. Coming up next, moving right along. I know it's hard to believe, but there were some NFL franchises that were perpetually, we see them now as perpetually in the toilet. They were once great. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So we've talked about the Cleveland Browns, um, especially when we did our series on the All-America Football Conference, the AAFC. Um, the Cleveland Browns also, you know, they were the team of the 50s, and they went to all of these championships, 10 straight seasons, 4 for 4 in championships in the AAFC, and they won in 1950 their first uh, year in the NFL, and they continued that trend all the way, you know, through a majority of the 50s, all the way to 1957. They were in six straight championships. Six. Ten straight if you count the AAFC. That's a lot. Um, but there was another team in the 1950s. Yeah, that made Cleveland the team of the 50s, right? But there was another team that was also great. And it's hard to imagine that unless you're from the state of Michigan and know its history. The Detroit Lions actually made four championship appearances in the 1950s and mostly played against the Cleveland Browns. Four. They were in there in 52, 53, 54, and 57. And they won three of them. 
They won three of them. The 52, 53, and 57 championship. Now, 1957 is the last championship that the Detroit Lions won. Okay? So, you know, the key, though, was head coach Buddy Parker. So, this is, I have to tell this, tell this the right way. So, apparently, Buddy Parker, who was the head coach for the Detroit Lions, he ended up stepping down after the 1957 season. And apparently his, I think one of his assistant coach and friend, George Wilson, ended up taking over, um, you know, for the 57 season, right? Um, if anyone has heard of the curse of Bobby Lane, raise your hand. I'm just now learning about this, okay? I'm not a Detroit Lions fan, although I know a couple, all right? <laughs> Shout out to my man. Kurt Steele <laughs> and, uh, and all those Lions fans out there. I do not know this. I did not know about this. The curse of Bobby Lane. It's, it's, it's sort, sort of a legend from what I've read. Uh, no one can say that verbatim they heard the man do this. Okay. I got my papers. So Buddy Parker, who ended up stepping down as the head coach of the Detroit Lions. George Wilson ended up trading Bobby Lane after all these championship appearances and stuff to the Pittsburgh Steelers on October 6, 1958. This is the year after Detroit wins the championship. And supposedly Bobby Lane had exclaimed, all right, you know, he's cleaning out his locker or whatever. And supposedly he said in the moment that Detroit would not win a championship for 50 years. Hmm. It's been, uh, what, 60? So, and and 50 years later, as a matter of fact, in 2008 was the 50-year mark that supposedly the curse was going to be broken. The Lions were 0-16, and they won one playoff game uh, since then. And you go back to, what was it, 1991 Detroit Lions, and they won against the Dallas Cowboys that year, 1991. I still remember watching that game. But, I mean, if you look at it, though, uh, George Wilson – um, you know, they had a lot of, uh, they had, they were loaded with talent. The Detroit Lions were, you know, it was 20 of the 22 pro football hall of famers, um, that, that were Detroit Lions, whether they finished their careers with Detroit or not, you know, nine of them were on these teams. And of these nine, you had, uh, offensive linemen like Dick Stanfield and Lou Kriegmuir, and then of course Doak Walker, uh, excuse me, Doak Walker, who was a running back. John Henry Johnson played on the 57 Dick Knight, Train Lane, and Jack Christensen, and the safety slash punter Yale Larry, and middle linebacker Joe Schmidt. I mean, these guys were, uh, you know, the creme de la creme. But Bobby Lane, he was the key. So through that 57 season, okay, just to give you a little backstory on it. Bobby Lane broke his ankle. Now, this is the second season in a row that the guy's gotten hurt. But late in the season, he breaks his ankle. Uh, and Tobin Rote, who's a younger quarterback, takes over. Going to the playoffs, right? They're playing against the San Francisco 49ers. And Lane was hurt, and he, he wasn't able to play. So Rote, he's <laughs> he ends up leading one of the greatest comebacks in playoff history. They were down 27 to 17. It was 24 to 7 at halftime to San Francisco. And at Keyser Stadium, God, I hope I'm saying it right. You know, that was the 49ers home. And basically, they were celebrating uh, in the next locker room. And George Wilson and the rest of the team heard it. 
walls were really thin. So it's like, all right, look, <laughs> let's beat these dudes and uh, let's take care of business. So, you know, the 49ers go out, they kick a field goal. But then after that, 24 unanswered points. The Lions won 31 to 27 and they go on. This is the playoffs. And then they go on to the championship and they put a beat down on the Cleveland Browns 59 to 14. Now, in both of these games, Tobin Road has thrown four touchdowns per game. And even in the championship game, uh, Road had four touchdown passes as well as a touchdown round. Uh, he accounted for five scores on his own. So you kind of look side-eyed like, okay. Now here's why you would look side-eyed as a coach if you're George Wilson. So apparently Bobby Lane actually not only had some injury issues later in his career, but he also had a drinking problem. He liked the bottle and he was kind of a uh, I guess you could say he was a hard guy to deal with. If you fast forward it today, you know, just picture a player of today that has some some off the field issues. So there was a situation when he was driving on the wrong. This is in 57, I believe, heading into 58. I think this happened in December of 57. Whenever it happened, it happened around this time. He's driving on the wrong side, driving on the wrong side of the road, on the other side of the center lane. Lights are out in the dark, and he's drunk. And he's got five other people in the car with him. Two other guys and three girls. So they rolling deep. And he's had a few. He gets stopped by the cops, and he gives the cops, you know, the third degree for stopping him. And apparently, according to the story that I did read, the cop was trying to give him a chance. And the guy kept pointing, Lane kept pointing in the guy's chest. And he had no choice but to say, okay, hands behind your back, you're under arrest. You know, took him in. So he's been arrested. Um, and he had doesn't have the best relationship with George Wilson, apparently the head coach of the Lions at the time. And so they go into the next the next season, all right, in 58. Now, I read in one part that he was traded before this, but apparently uh, they go into this this 58 season saying, we're going to rotate these guys two, two games in. I think he got hurt again and never mind i got it right he wasn't hurt they were rotating wrote and bobby lane and apparently he shows up lane does after having a little rift because of uh you know his play uh and his play wasn't very you know he wasn't playing very well at the time neither was wrote for that matter but <laughs> Basically, there was a rift, and he apparently he showed up drunk, or <laughs> just to put it, you know, just direct. He showed up drunk uh, before a uh, you know a team meeting or whatever on Saturday or whatnot. So they said, well, I mean, you know, I guess that was the last straw. So apparently, Bobby Lane he had met his wife at an airport, and he heard him paging. And this is Bobby Lane telling the story. So he's getting paged as he's about to leave the airport. He goes back and it's George Wilson on the phone. And he had called him to tell him, look, I got to tell you some news that I really don't want to tell you. Basically, you're being traded. <laughs> Lane was not happy about that. You know, and he's like, look, I should have got a face to face as long as I've been there. And I think from what I read also is that his wife, I believe her name was Carol, um, had said, well, maybe he was doing that. This is years later. Maybe he was doing that to keep you from learning through the newspapers or through another party. I want to tell you directly before. And he's like, well, I mean, yeah, that's great. But 
this is not something that they came up with you know straight you know that fast they had to be planning it obviously but then if you really look at it if you really look at it just think about it a 31 year old quarterback that's been hurt back-to-back -back seasons as good as he's been he was kind of like a from the, the description he was a brett Favre type risk taking quarterback that won games he obviously won games but he was getting hurt there towards the end and remember not everybody played that long okay and this guy had back-to-back -back injuries and then you had the rest on top of that so and then then think about <laughs> tobin wrote coming and replacing you in the playoffs the year before basically throwing eight touchdowns and then running for another one and not only with the comeback against the 49ers and then you beat down the cleveland browns of all teams the dominant team of the decade the cleveland browns even though it was what a year after Otto Graham had retired <laughs> but it was the cleveland browns you beat them 59 to 14 and you got a younger guy so they were going to go with the younger guy i mean i understand what they what they were having to deal with and this guy obviously had a drinking problem and it wasn't getting any better so they traded him away how did that end they traded their best quarterback away and i mean Rote turned out to not be as great as you thought but he was traded away to pittsburgh for earl morrow that name you'll hear in some other shows uh for and also for two picks now the crazy part about that is <laughs> is in the end of that now according to detroit the uh detroit free press's uh the, the detroit free press lane reunited with buddy parker in pittsburgh because he was the head coach in pittsburgh in 1958 and the team they ended up being seven two and one and he was a two-time pro bowler in 58 and 59 but he never got back to the playoffs and he retired after the 1962 season tobin wrote his replacement this is what you get you know when you go with somebody that had a little short time of glory even in if, even if it was in the playoffs they went four seven and one in 1958 and 59 they were worse they were three eight and one and then wrote was released so that didn't work out it always goes back to the quarterback doesn't it you know sure you know in the 1960s the lions they still had some some really great hall of famers alex Karras, lim barney dick lebeau charlie sanders but they were never able to get back to the lines of the championship days of the 1950s they never were uh they had five winning seasons in the 1960s including being 11 and 3 the year that that uh, Bobby Lane retired in 62. But after that, they had one playoff appearance in 1970, two in the 1980s, and you only want to talk about the 90s going into the 2000s. So they haven't won a, <laughs> anything since then. I mean, go figure. The curse of Bobby Lane, a lot of his teammates believe that it was real. <laughs> that it was real. It lasted more than 50 years, Doc. All right, that's it. Told you it was going to be short. Thanks to, this is references, let's get to them. Thanks to commanders.com. That's the Washington Commanders. Uh, team history and pro football, I mean, excuse me, and Hall of Fame. Also, profootballhalloffame.com. Detroit Free Press is the curse of Bobby Lane Real. The 1957 Detroit Lions say teams jinxed. This was written by Carlos Menerez, September 6th, 2017. And also Bleacher Report article by mike tanier written october 12 2016 
urban legends of the NFL, the curse of Bobby Lane. This has been the Behind the Mic Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Neal Jr. Show presented by Billy Up Sports, the Billy Up Sports Podcast Network, BillyUpSports.com. Check us out, Billy Up Media. Also, you can catch all of our shows on Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Tell all your friends and your family about this show or, yeah, you already know, I'll find your house. I do work for FedEx. I'm out. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.